You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Amen, amen, fantastic. Well, come with me in your Bibles to the book of Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5. Today is going to be a little bit of a painful passage of Scripture, if I was honest with you. Uh, painful. Let me just kind of give you context where we're at in Joshua chapter 5. Um, Moses is dead. Joshua is the new guy. The mantle has fallen on Joshua. God said to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, As I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. Three times he says to him, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cross this Jordan. You shall divide the promised land. Joshua chapter 2 is they send the spies in to, to Rahab. Rahab hides them. She ends up, that was the best thing she ever did because she and her household get saved. She becomes part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. Just amazing. God, God doesn't just save you and leave you. He, God, God, when He saves you, He doesn't quit till He absolutely does a work of marvelous, mind-blowing transformation. And then we have, uh, now we're in Joshua chapter 5. They're just about, they've just crossed the Jordan River and they're just about to uh, take down the giants. They're just about to, to face Jericho. We know that Joshua chapter 6 is Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Jericho, Jer- and the walls came down. We know that's, that's, that's about to happen. Joshua 5 is preceding the walls coming down. Joshua 5 is preceding the walls coming down. So let's, let's read it. Uh, so it was, in verse 1, so it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over that their heart melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. At that time, At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives for yourselves and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. That'll bring tears to a glass eye right there. So Joshua made flint knives for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. What are we going to call this hill? I I know. I don't know who. They should have taken a survey. I mean, that's, that's the best option. Anyway, so at the hill of the foreskins. And this is, and it's in the Bible, so don't, don't give me that religious look. It's in the Bible. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised him. This is the reason. All the people who came out of Egypt were males. All the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. Verse 5 is the one I want you to underline. The title of my message today comes out of verse 5. For all the people who came out had been circumcised. But all the people born in the wilderness on the way, as they came out of Egypt, had not been circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people who were men of war, who came out of Egypt of that generation, were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord, to whom the Lord swore that He would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers, which He would give us a land flowing with milk and honey. So I want you to notice this. They died out in the wilderness because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. You can't, you can't live wrong and believe right. Verse 7, Then Joshua circumcised their sons, 
whom He raised up in their place, for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. So it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in their places in their camp till they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, this day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. Gilgal literally means circuit or rolling away, rolling away. They stayed in the camp and God says, this day I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt. So in this one act, God rolls away everything. Now, the Old Testament was, every Testament, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, you cannot have a covenant unless it's sealed in blood. When two tribes would make covenants, when two chiefs, when two kings would make a covenant, there was always the shedding of blood. So the Old Testament, because it was a promise to Abraham about descendants, God says, and this is the covenant that I will make with you, it's circumcision. And there's a shedding of blood. And, and so that was the Old Testament. The covenant is one of distinction. It's one of, that identified the children of Israel. When David stood before Goliath, he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? In other words, what separates us from all the other tribes is we have, we have this, this commitment to God that on the eighth day that a, a male is presented to the Lord, they are circumcised to show that they are separated from the world. They cut off and they are separated unto God in this world. It's devotion, it's consecration. It's very, very important because you need to understand that in, in verse five, it says that all the people who came out of Egypt were circumcised. Now they're about to enter into the promised land. And God is saying to them, listen, what got you out is what's going to get you in. How you got it is how you keep it. The power that delivered you is the same power that works for you to now conquer. What delivered you from the enemy over here is the same power that's going to deliver the enemy into your hand over there. But during 40 years, you, you came out as slaves and I know you're not slaves anymore. I know you've, you, you for 40 years now, you've multiplied, you've grown. About just under 2 million came out. There are almost 4 million people now. But God is saying, don't think that you can do this by your strength, by your might, by your intellect, by your prowess, by your business acumen, by, by your educational understanding. Don't, don't think you can do this because you're larger, you're stronger. You're, he says the, the, the very thing, the commitment, the covenant that got you out of Egypt. I got you, I got you out of Egypt because you were my people. And I'm going to get you in because you're my people. But you've got to go back and do the first things first. One of the greatest pictures of this is Samson. Samson was a Nazarite. And it's very interesting. God is so smart because he appears to Samson's mama and he says, listen, do this. Do not drink any wine or any strong drink because Samson will be a Nazarite. Your son will be a Nazarite to me from the womb. In the womb, you didn't get to make choices. You didn't get to make choices of your biology. You didn't get to make choices of your DNA, your skin color, your hair color. You didn't get to make any choices in the womb. They were all made for you. You didn't get to choose which side of the tracks you were born on. You didn't get to choose which, which nation you were born in. All of those decisions were made for you. You just happened to be in the womb. So, so Samson couldn't make these commitments to God. God made them to him. And a Nazarite has, has three, three things. Number one, he's not allowed to drink any alcohol. Uh, number two, he's not allowed to touch anything that's unclean or dead. And number three, he wasn't to shave his hair, to cut his hair. 
And if you know the story of Samson, he gets married in a vineyard, so scratch that one off. Uh, then a young lion comes out, tries to, tears it in half, and then the next day he's walking past and there's bees of, of, of making honey in the carcass, and he reaches in and he takes some of that honey out of what was dead, so unclean. He touches that, the Spirit of the Lord's still upon him. So, but the hair, the hair, and then finally he cuts his hair. When they cut his hair, the Spirit of the Lord leaves Samson. The Philistines overpower him. They grind out both of his eyes, take away his vision. And then he's grinding corn in a field, grinding corn for the enemy. But the Bible says the hair on Samson's hair grew back. Sorry, the hair on Samson's head grew back. There was three parts of the covenant and just the hair was growing back. So if you can imagine in the spirit between God and Samson, there was this... As, as the power was, and then the Bible says they brought out Samson to entertain all the Philistines. They did not realize his hair was growing back, that, 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 that the last part of the covenant may have only been hanging by a thread, but that's all God needed. And Samson prays once, and the power of God comes on Samson so that he pushes the pillars apart and brings down the entire uh, idolatrous temple down. And the Bible says there, there were more that died that day than in all of Samson's judging and delivering of Israel in his in, entire life. There's, a, there's, there's an anomaly. And so the title of my med- message today is the exit entry anomaly. The exit entry anomaly. An anomaly is a, uh, a measurable phenomenon. That's what an anomaly is. It's, it's something that is traceable. People say, well, you know, as we're looking through the profit and loss sheets, we, we noticed there was an anomaly. As we're looking at the, the stars and the, we, we noticed an, an anomaly is something that is detectable. It's discernible, but it's an anomaly. And I want you to know today that that which got you out is what gets you in. In the book of Revelation, the very, very first book, or first letter that is written to the churches, It says, you have left your first love. Return and do the former things. Sometimes very easy. Well, you know, this is how I got saved. But now I learned very, very, very long ago, 20 years ago, Leanne and I were fighting all the time. And I couldn't understand like why she couldn't see that my needs were far more important than her needs. Like, how do you not see this, darling? Yeah, hello, hello. The reason your needs are because... My, can't you see like my, my needs trump? And, uh, and then one day, you know, the Holy Spirit decided he was going to, you know, kind of help me out. And he's like, you do realize that you're the one that's the issue. I'm like, oh, <laughs> obviously you've never been married. Um, let me just explain this to you. Let me, let me explain how. And, uh, and he's like, oh, myself. He's like, no, no, um, He's like, Jürgen, when she dated you, she wasn't dating you. I'm like, I'm pretty sure she was dating me. He's like, no, no, no. She was dating you, the ideal. He said, she was, when you were courting her, you were presenting an ideal to her. And he said, when you were dating her, you always pulled the chair. He says, you always paid the check. You, you planned ahead of where you were going to eat. You made sure it was romantic. You made sure you got a little table by two by the window. Sometimes you turned up with flowers. You know, you, your breath was always... <laughs> your breath was always good. You were always dr- groomed and dressed really well. 
You know, you, you, you took extra care to make sure how well you looked. There was, there was no obnoxious gases. <laughs> you blame that on the creaking of the door. No, it was the door it creaked. It was, you, you, you sat there gazing in her eyes saying, go on. Tell me how that made you feel. You, and he's like, but you don't do that. I'm like, yeah, because hello, hello. Married, hello, the hunt's over, she's, and he's like, no, 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 for you, but not for her. He says, how you got her is how you keep her. How you got her is how you keep her. How you got something is how you keep something. And so I realized, oh my, when she married me, she married the ideal. She married someone who, so to this day now, I realize, you know, I had to learn, she doesn't open a door. She doesn't pull a chair. She doesn't, she can open her own doors. She's fed. She can pull her own chair, but, but I need to open the door. She doesn't even need to open. I need to open the door because it reminds me of my posture. I need to organize date night. I need to make sure flowers. I need to make sure am I, I need to, because she married the ideal. How you get her is how you keep her. Somebody say amen. So it's, it's like that. I was, I was in, in uh, Texas speaking at a men's conference and it was an extraordinary building. I mean, extraordinary massive building and had a school, incredible property, stunning property. And, uh, and they, were, they were in a transition and they were transitioning this entire uh, amazing campus to, to this, you know, wonderful young man, cool skinny jeans, deep V-neck, some, you know, some, some great tats and everything, you know, Hebrew, shalom. But as I'm talking to him, it was all, it was very interesting. And I, I just kind of felt like this tweak in my spirit. And then it was almost like the Holy Spirit had, had a lament. And he said, you know, it was, it was a lesson for me. He says, you can hand over buildings. You can hand over uh, debt free. You can even hand over financial assets to somebody. But they're very, very foolish. It's an, it's an arrogance. It's a hubris of men to believe that the previous generation that operated in faith, faith releases the right arm of God, that, that you can begin something with the right arm of Almighty God, but now you're so smart, you're so wise that, yeah, God, our human spirit, our human intellect, human management, that which was born with the arm of God can be sustained by the arm of man. You're a fool if you believe that. That which is born of God must be sustained of God. And so I realized the greatest thing, the greatest thing that, that we can do for, for our campuses, for the future of Awaken, is to make sure that the faith that, that is in Leanne and I is the faith that's in our leaders. It's the faith that's in our leaders. That's why when Lance and Alicia just, just were saying, hey, believe with us for a miracle. We're, we're, we're out of our, our park. We're out of our league, but we're just believing God. He's a big God. And then all of a sudden a miracle happens just before Christmas in these guys' lives. I'm rejoicing. Well, that's kind of like, you know, it's materialistic. It's just earthly. And it's, you know, the Bible says that this whole earth is going to pass away. So I don't know why you're believing for houses. and that, Because it's not about the houses. We know it's going to pass away, but it's the exercising of their faith. You stop exercising something, you lose it. If you don't exercise a muscle, it atrophies. The, so 
so I, I don't like awakened church. They're like carnal, aren't they? They're all materialistic, aren't they? Like they're believing for houses and cars and like great, great marriages and all that. All that's carnal, isn't it? Yeah, but it's the exercising of your faith. Because if you can do it here, you can do it there. Listen, before God gave me one piece of property here, we, had, we believed God for a miracle that everyone said was impossible in Sydney. It was impossible to find an acre. And I didn't just want an acre. I wanted an acre with ocean views because I had three little boys. Actually, speaking of little boys, this is my second son, Ash, and his beautiful wife, Aubrey. Can you guys stand up? I am so proud of him from Phoenix, Arizona. Aubrey is preaching at our women's conference next year, one of the greatest preachers on the planet. My son, who I could not be more proud of, uh, is here. It was a great Christmas present, them arriving yesterday. And so, so I wanted, I wanted I, you know, we had this tiny little backyard. They wouldn't let us put a pool in there because our yard was too small. So I'm like, right, I've got three boys. They were right into soccer. Don't ask Ash about soccer. He was a goalkeeper. But um, even though he was a goalkeeper, if he needed a drink or a snack, that was more important than him keeping the goals. So many times I would hear the coach screaming and, uh, and I'm looking and the opposition was in our half about to score and there's no goalkeeper in the goal. I'm like, where's my, and I look and he's over there having a drink and the, and the coach is screaming at him saying, get back into the goal. And Ash would just look and just finish his drink. Screw his lid back on, put it in the bag, zip it up, and then he'd walk onto the field just in time to pull the goal, the ball out of the back of the net and kick it back down the field. Ash. So anyway, so he doesn't play, play for Borussia Dortmund. That may have something to do with it. But, um, but, but we, we, we saw God do a miracle there. And then just as we landed that, that land, God says, all right, leave everything and go to go to uh, San Diego. I'm like, God, your timing couldn't be more lousy. Like we just, why would you? And it wasn't about the land. It wasn't about the house. It was about the faith when people said, you can't do this. What you're believing for is impossible to do it because God is going to send you to a city where they tell you when you land, there's no zoning for churches in San Diego. So just, just get comfortable with the fact that you're always going to be renting a school or Renting a hotel ballroom, that's, that's just going to be your life. I'm like, uh-uh, uh-uh, no, no, it's not. Because the same God that was with me on this side of the Pacific is the same God on this side of the Pacific. I didn't leave him on that side. The, 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 the Pacific Ocean isn't too big for God to cross. Somebody say amen. So, so let me just tell you, today is Shredder Sunday. Shredder Sunday is important because uh, that there are rhythms and there are seasons in church. We, this is the last Sunday, as, as Dr. Matt said, this is the last Sunday of 2021. We're about to cross into 2022. Here's, here's something that I've learned. If I wanted to know who the biggest threat to my future is, it's very, very simple. All I need to do is get my phone, click on camera, and then just click this little button down here, which is reverse. And then, oh, dick, you know. <laughs> That I, that me, the biggest problem in my life is wherever I've gone, (laughs) there I am. Napoleon Bonaparte said that he was able to conquer the world, but he's yet to meet a man who was able to conquer himself. So we we recognize that, that I don't want to just, we we, we don't want to just preach to you a, you know, a nice little homily, a nice little sermonette on a Sunday. 
when, when, when I came in, you asked Dr. Matt, you know, I came as, as you know, a 20-year or 15-year youth pastor. And uh, if I was honest with you, I kind of was a reluctant senior pastor. I would always say, man, I feel like I'm a youth pastor trapped in a senior pastor's body. Uh, Dr. Matt didn't help. Like after about six months of me preaching all my home run youth messages, uh, he's like, pastor, you're not funny anymore. I'm like, thank you. Thanks a lot. And you've put on weight. Oh, thanks a lot. And your nostrils are here. Oh, come on. What the? And uh, anyway, thank God for good people that. And so, so, so I, I, had, I had home run sermons, but God's like, well, when, when are you going to be done with your home run sermons? I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he's like, I just want you to, to, to lean into me. And I want you to identify the seasons that people are in. And I want you to, to, to allow my Holy Spirit to give you words for those seasons. So you need to understand that today is going to be an unbelievably powerful Sunday. So I already filled out a whole bunch in the first service that are shredded. And then these are some ones for the second service. Now, when you see the shredding machines come up, you need to understand that the shredding machines were not dropped off this morning by the seraphim, by the cherubim. These are not holy shredding machines. They're from Staples, all right? We hire them. So there's nothing magical about the shredding machines. They're not anointed shredding machines. They're just shredding machines. Okay. So just like, I, I don't understand why do we need to shred? Because it's, it's an act of faith. It, it, it's an act of faith that you're making a covenant before God. You're making a decision before God that I'm not going to go into 2021, uh, 2022 and just try harder. I'm not going to try to be better. I'm, you know, it, it's, 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 I'm going to go in, but I'm going to shred some stuff. I'm going to allow the power of God to come on some stuff, to kill some. There's some stuff in 2021 I don't want to take into 2022. I, I, I met a guy, I met a guy several years ago and he was, you know, a little, he was celebrating beverages and, uh, you know, and he's like, hey, you're an Aussie. Hey, you're on vacation. I'm like, no, 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 we live here now. And he's like, oh, blank, you know. And uh, so I always like when they blank and they say, yeah, you know, I'm a pastor of a church. Oh, blank. Sorry. I mean, blank. You know, sorry. And uh, he goes, I go to church too. And I'm like, yeah, good on you. Anyway, so we're coming into, we're coming into the new year and he's telling me how he's going to turn over a new leaf. You know, there's a lot of people who want to turn over a new leaf. And I'm like, have you ever used a leaf blower? Like if I was going to turn something over, it wouldn't be a leaf. I'm turning over a new leaf. That'll be permanent. <laughs> the slightest wind. <laughs> turn over a new rock. Why don't we say I'm turning over a new rock? But turning over a new... Anyway, and so, so I found that I would make these, these New Year's resolutions. And it wouldn't even be lunchtime. I'm like, well, there goes that, that, that. <laughs> so we do shred a Sunday. Because there's things in your life that you need God. And it's the same God that saved you. It's the same God that delivered you. It's the, that same God heals you. It's that same God that transforms you. It's the same God that walks with you through the valley. It's the same God who will lead you to the other side. So God says to Joshua, Joshua, there's an exit entry anomaly. The circumcised men were delivered from the power of Pharaoh. And I need you to understand, you got to get this generation circumcised again because it's not in the might of your arm. It's not in the might of your numbers or your military or your prowess or your understanding, but it's your covenant with 
almighty God. The same power that delivers is the same power that's going to cause you to conquer. So three areas really quickly. Number one is called programming. Programming. For the last 40 years, this generation has walked through the wilderness till the Bible says all the men of war died out. God had a plan to get him into the promised land, but he kept that generation. The Bible says he wasn't happy with them because of their disobedience. Now we see a glimpse because when they, when they, when they sent 12 spies across the promised land, when they came and they saw the giants, this is, this is their testimony. They said, when we saw the giants and we saw the sons of Anak, the Anakim, the giants, they said, we were like grasshoppers in our sight. And we were like grasshoppers in their sight. The grasshopper belongs to the locust family. The locust is that which comes in and eats the fruit and eats the harvest of something they didn't sow. They saw themselves as coming into a land that they didn't deserve. They saw themselves as coming into a land where there was a harvest they didn't sow, consuming it. And so they, they saw themselves. They didn't see themselves as the sons of Abraham, the sons of promise, that God was taking them into a land flowing with milk and honey. When they saw the giants, and listen, let me just tell you this, there will be giants possessing your promise. There is not one promise from God where you don't have to wrestle a giant to take it. But can I tell you, the Spirit of the Lord is a giant slaying spirit. The Spirit of the Lord was upon David and he took down Goliath. That's your inheritance. That's what's flowing through your DNA. That's what's flowing through this house. So you don't need to give up on the dream because there's a giant possessing it. You need to, to take that. But because, because they had been slaves for 10 generations, for 400 years, they had developed a victim mentality. So as soon as they face difficulty, the victim mentality kicks in and says, we were like grasshoppers in our sight and we were like grasshoppers in their sight. Well, how, did, how do they know? Did they ask? Did they interview them? Excuse me. Do we look like grasshoppers to you? That's exactly what you look like. Thank you. They didn't, they didn't ask that. They were, they were projecting from their own insecurity. They were projecting out of their own programming, out of their own conditioning. If you ever go to the circus, if you ever go to the circus and you see, you know, they'll, they'll have the elephants. They have these, these big bull male elephants weighing several tons. And if you look at them, they've got a flimsy little rope tied around their leg to a post. Yeah, I mean, it snapped and they could t run off, create a stampede, but they don't. They just, the reason is because when those big bull elephants were little baby elephants, they would chain them with an iron chain to a post. And, and the, it would try to get away. It would struggle so much so that sometimes it would cut into the leg, but it couldn't break the iron chain. And now as an adult, they don't need to use an iron chain anymore. They use a flimsy little rope because it's not about the chain around the, the leg. It's about the chains that are formed around the mind. They've been conditioned that resistance is futile. You can't break this thing. You're a, do you know how many people I've met, myself included, 
that the ceilings over my life wasn't what the devil was doing. The ceilings over my life was the programming and the conditioning from my childhood. Trauma, limitations, ceilings that I went through. Money doesn't, life is hard. Money doesn't grow on trees. You're never going to amount to, and I lived with the conditioning of my past and to put a ceiling over my future. Make a decision today that I'm going to break out. I'm going to break out of the conditioning and the programming of my past. A friend of mine, a friend of mine uh, recently adopted uh, twin boys from Nigeria. And uh, the, the, the adoption agency kind of circled back with them after three months to see how, you know, how the transition, everything was going. And my friend says, you know, the, the, the stunning boys, they're amazing boys. They're just, we, I mean, we couldn't have two more perfect little boys that they were just under two years of age. And they don't even cry. Like we put them to bed at night, we sleep the whole night, they don't cry. And the, 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 the lady who's in charge of the adoption process, she says, oh, you, you think that's a good thing? Like, yeah, how awesome. Like we thought, oh, hey, get ready. Terrible twos, oh, get ready. They're gonna cry all night, get ready for sleepless nights. They, they don't even cry at night. She says, sweetheart. She says, the reason that you've adopted them is because the war-torn area where they came from, they did cry, but nobody responded. Nobody came. She says, you'll know your boys are healthy when they cry, knowing that there's someone listening. When they cry, knowing that there's somebody who will respond, but they've been conditioned. There's no point crying. Nobody's coming. Nobody cares. Nobody's listening. And he said, it so moved him. There are so many of us, we don't even bother praying. We don't even bother crying. We don't even bother trying because we think there's nobody out there. There's nobody that cares. There's nobody that's coming. It's a lie from the devil. Break that thing. Break that thing. Break that thing in Jesus' name. All right, number two. I'm way over time and Dr. Matt's already warned me. If I go over, this will be the last time I'm... He, he's, he's strong, I'm telling you. Number two is paradigms. The first one is program. The second one is paradigms. A paradigm is a mindset. It's a fixed mindset. When someone talks to you about something, you've already got a paradigm. I, I love Pastor Alex this morning getting up and, and clarifying the difference between, you know, tithes and offerings and talking about how the rich young ruler had a posture for worship, but not a heart. He came with a posture bowing down, but his heart wasn't there. And Jesus has to go right in, in and deal with the issues of the heart. In, in this church, I am failing you if you never get your paradigms pushed, if you never get your paradigms messed up, because you can't think wrong and live right unless, unless this thing changes. When you were born, you came out head first. When you were born, you came out head first. It's a picture that every single breakthrough in your life, every single progressive moment in your life from, from a constricted small place into larger will happen here first. Until you change the way you think, until you change the way you perceive. These Israelites in the wilderness, Moses with a stick has brought a river out of a rock, done extraordinary miracles, and all of a sudden Pharaoh, after 10 judgments, has decided, I don't want to lose my slave labor force, so he sends his entire army to go and capture the Israelites and bring them back. And the Bible says when the children of Israel saw the rumble and the dust cloud going up and Pharaoh's chariots coming, they said, who is this Moses? 
And they said to Moses, is it because there were no graves in Egypt? You brought us out here in the wilderness to die. Come, let us choose a man to be leader over us and let us go back to Egypt. They used to always mess me. I'm like, why don't you just go back? Let's choose a man to be a leader over us and go back. Because for 400 years, they'd been conditioned, they'd been programmed, and the programming had led to a paradigm that my destiny is determined by a man. It was the man Pharaoh that took away our, but it was the man Pharaoh that gave us. Yeah, 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 you know, the government may, but you know, the government also has welfare programs. I, I know the government is right now in overreach and, you know, the manda- man- mandatory, but, you know, but the government at the same time is giving us, you know, checks and stimulus checks. Go- Let us choose a man and... Let me tell you, if, if, if you're allowing a man, Mary, Gabriel appears to her, Blessed are you, highly favored amongst women. God's got a great plan. Jesus, the Messiah, Savior of mankind. She's like, (laughs) I think you got the wrong address. I don't know a man, not married. And he's like, oh, sweetie, let me just tell you, God doesn't need a man. The power of the Holy Ghost, the power of the Most High will overshadow, and that which will be conceived. Well, you don't understand. I don't know anyone when we came to San Diego, I didn't know anyone. But I didn't need to know anyone because I had God. And let me tell you very quickly, we put a board together because you can't be a legal entity without a board. And I had you know, a particular board member who's like, hey, uh, that sermon you preached on Sunday? Yeah, I just want you to know that such and such didn't like it. I'm like, what? Yeah. And really, he didn't like it, but he was just using such and such. It's like, yeah, such and such didn't like it. I said, well, I don't care. He's like, oh, you need to care because they're rich and they're putting in big offerings. I said, listen, I don't care. They can find another church to go to. I'm not going to be beholden to somebody because they're putting money in. And he's like, oh, we need them. I said, I said, you need them. I don't need them. I said, the same God that started. What do you think that God can start, but he can't finish this thing? But there are, there are paradigms that people have that you need a man. Listen, if a man can give it, a man can take it. But the God that I serve opens doors no man can shut. And he shuts doors no man can open. Don't live under the hand of man. Don't live with a victim mentality that a man did this and a man did that. Come out from under that paradigm and begin to live for God. Begin to live under the anointing of God. I remember when we, when we first uh, were kind of going and we're at Bressy Ranch and uh, this, this woman comes up in the middle of worship and she kind of you know, tugged and, and I looked and she kind of handed me this folder and I look and it had her resume and I'm like, ah, oh, maybe someone said I'd pray for her to get a new job. So I'm like, okay, so I put it on my seat, you know, finish. And anyway, at the end of the service, she comes up to me and she goes, well, what did God say? I just, I just preached what I thought God was saying. Well, what do you mean? And she's like, and then she basically told me that if I was really hearing from God, I would have heard that I need to kind of ditch Leanne and her and I were going to run the church together. So I'm like, yeah, that's not going to happen. So when she saw that I wasn't going to 
kind of partner with that, she just thought, well, he must be, just be disobedient. And so she then decided she needed to take matters into her own hand. And so she was going to, you know, take Leanne out. So we get a phone call or get a text message actually come to your window. And she's uh, across the street with a sniper rifle. She was a she was a 20 year, 20 year army veteran. Now, here's here's the backstory. It's a very tragic story. She was a she was a migrant family who came from another nation. She was the eldest of three, three girls. And when the family got to America, dad took off with another woman and left his wife, who couldn't speak English very well, with the three girls. And she saw how much her mom struggled, how much she suffered. So as the elder, she made a vow in her heart that she would never be like her mom, dependent upon the leadership of a man. So first thing she did when when she went into the army, became decorated, flew Apache helicopters, 20 years. But here's the thing, that that may have been fuel to make her successful in the military, but it messed up her life. She was married at this particular time to a man that on the wedding day, she said, oh, and by the way, I'm not taking your name. And she was miserable. He was miserable. She was messed up. Her whole life was a train wreck of mess. And now she wanted to bring that mess in. She was heavily demonized because she wouldn't deal with the paradigms that came out of trauma from her past. Don't take broken paradigms. Don't take vows that you've made and inner vows and don't take the trauma of the past into 2022. It's a brand new year. What God has for you is far too important. It is too great. It is too wonderful. But here's the thing. Only you can choose what you're going to shred today. And let me tell you, there's nothing, there's nothing anointed about the shredding machines, but don't, don't, don't discount that it's an unbelievably powerful and anointed moment. And you say, well, how how anointed is it? It's directly correlated to your level of consecration. Listen, for the last decade, they've been preaching grace, the grace message, and we needed to preach grace. We need to preach grace. This is what the Holy Spirit showed me. He said, absolutely, the God that you you and I serve is a God of grace, is a God of grace. He says, but he said to me, but Jürgen, the level of your repentance determines the level and the measure of the flow of grace that you receive. In other words, there's no grace for unrepentant. Little repentance, little grace. Complete repentance, complete grace. Grace flows where there's a repentant heart. Now I know no one's preaching there because it's not popular. We should just preach sugar candy and but I'm telling you the truth. All right, last one, number three. Number three. So we've got programming, paradigms, and the last one is promises. Promises. Promises, uh, this, this, the Bible teaches us that there's two kingdoms. There's two kingdoms because there's two ideologies. The kingdom of God, the ideology of the kingdom of God is God has said. When Jesus defeated the devil, he, didn't, he said to the devil, hey, listen, let me just tell you something. Let me just tell you something. God hasn't just said, but we as Jewish people wrote it down. So, devil, let me tell you, it is written. It, we took what God said and we wrote it down so we could teach it to our children and our children's children in every generation. Because we in this earth are a people that have decided to align ourselves with what God has said. So, devil, it is written. It is written. Three times the devil came to him and three times Jesus defeated the devil. But the other side, the kingdom of this world, the perishing kingdom, the kingdom of darkness is, has God really said? 
you're always going to struggle between what God has said and what men has said. Men said over me, you're an idiot. Men said over me, you're useless. Men said to me, you're a no hooper. Men said to me, not one cent, not one cent, because you're leaving engineering. Men said to me, no support. Men said, when you go to San Diego, you're going to fail. Nobody knows you there. What men said, when you come to San Diego, you just get used to not having any church buildings because there's no zoning for churches in the city. Doesn't want to turn over revenue, tax revenue to give to nonprofit churches. Just get ready for that. But like a documentary, just like, eh, cancel, eh, cancel. So I made a decision. I don't need to live under the promises of men. When God has given me two covenants, an old covenant, an Old Testament, a New Testament, full of promises. We got one life. We got one lap around this mulberry tree called life on planet Earth. I don't know about you, but I want to, I want to see God's best. I don't want to get to heaven and have a dope moment. That man, I didn't realize I could have believed for that. What? Man, why, why, why did I stay under alignment with what men said over my life when I could have come into alignment with what God said over my life? This is always going to be your battle. Make a decision. Don't elevate man so highly. Well, you don't understand it was my psychotherapist. Well, you don't understand it was his school teacher. Well, you don't understand my dad came home and my dad told me. There's a lot of things that my dad told me. He told me that because I was leaving engineering to go into the ministry, that there wouldn't be one cent of support, not one cent of support. I had a lot of, lot of pain. I had to forgive my dad. And then a few years ago, God says, I want you to move now from forgiving to honor him. 2020, everything hits, pandemic, the world goes crazy, lose its mind. My dad's living in France. My mom died 13 years ago. And and he says he doesn't want to live in France anymore. He's almost 80 years of age. He wants to spend his last years in Australia. And I said, Dad, if you could live anywhere, where would it be? He said, oh, the Gold Coast. And the Holy Spirit said, buy him a place on the Gold Coast. So the dad who disowned his boy when he went into the ministry, that boy that he disowned financially, didn't come, didn't live under the words of a man, but lived under the words of an almighty God, under the promises of God. And that boy was able to, from the two properties that we own in Australia, that have gone up in value, had all this equity, I was able to, without putting a dollar down, be able to buy my dad a two-bedroom place overlooking the ocean on, on the Gold Coast so that he scratches his head and can't... The, the kid I disowned, that I, that I refused to provide for financially, is now providing for only God. Only God. Let me finish on this Scripture. Let me finish on this Scripture. In the, in the Gospel of Mark chapter 5... There's a, a, a man named Jairus. He's the ruler of the synagogue and his little daughter is 12 years of age and she's, she's lying at death's door. She's deathly ill. And Jesus says, I'll come to your house to pray for her. On the way, a woman with an issue of blood for 12 years comes and grabs Jesus and power goes out of Jesus. And he's like, who touched me? And there's a whole story. No sooner has the woman said it was me and Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. No sooner has he finished with a commotion that somebody came from the, the ruler of the synagogue's house in Mark 5.35. We can throw the scripture up. And when this gentleman comes, while, while Jesus was still speaking, it says, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? The little girl died. 
So people came from the house to the ruler of the synagogue and said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher? Now, how many people know that Jesus was a great teacher? Come on, the rest of you, Jesus was a great teacher. Great teacher. But don't ever, don't ever, don't ever just think, well, God was a great, that Jesus was a great enlightened guru. He, he, he may have been a great teacher, but that's not all he was. So have a look at verse 36. As soon as Jesus heard the word. Because let me tell you, you were created by words for words. You're raised by words. Your life is shaped by words. Whether you realize or not, you're, 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 you have a dialogue going on in your head that is continually telling you your worth, your value, your destiny. Are you going to dream for, are you, you're, you're going to dream? Oh, right. Oh, yeah, you. You're going to believe. <laughs> we have this dialogue going on in our head. We've got to break. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he says to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. Do not be afraid. Don't go to fear. You know what fear is? Fear is believing something you can't see will happen. So different to faith. Faith is believing something you can't see will happen. So different to fear. Did you notice? Fear is believing something you can't see will happen. Oh my God. Whereas faith is believing something you can't see will happen. One is negative, one is positive. One is death, the other is life. Now let me just say this. Let me just say this for all the uh, fire coal walking, the secret, it's the law of attraction. You just ask the universe. When Jesus says, do not be afraid, only believe, it's because Jesus gave a word saying, I will come and raise your daughter. You cannot conjure up. You can go to the greatest motivational seminars. You cannot conjure up the word of the Lord. Now you can go to positive thinking and, but I'm telling you, Jesus didn't say just believe in yourself. He says, the house of God is the house of transformation because here the Holy Ghost will take this word and quit. And let me tell you, God is a God who backs up His word. 24, 7, 3, 6, 5. If you, when you get a word from God, step out from under this and step into under that because His word has power to transform, has power to deliver. And the Bible says when He came, He put all the mourners, all the weepers out and He said, Talitha Kumai, little girl, I say to you, arise. She sat up and He says, give us something to eat. And He walked out of there. I'm telling you the word of God. Don't live under the words of men. Live under the words of God. Come on, break, break programming, break paradigm and break negative promises. Come under the promises of God. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.